Hey, I'm Dr. Timothy Chen. And I'm Melissa Wood. And welcome to Common Sense Medicine. It's a podcast that is made to make complicated medical problems common so that we can all learn and hopefully be healthier. Yes. And remember, this is a podcast for information purposes only. It's not medical advice. So if you need anything additional, speak to your provider. And with that, let's start our next episode. Let's do it. Here we go. Here we go. It's been a fun day. Yeah. Kind of a busy day today Mm -hmm. with all my dogs in the car. (laughs) So I'd much rather be on a podcast talking about fun things. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Well, Melissa, um, today we'll be talking about something kind of funny because it's actually relevant. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually, I was trying to figure out how I want to start this, but let's just start with the headlines and then I actually want to give a patient example, uh, like a true case. And then talk about maybe essentially what what we're doing with all these testing, right? Okay. So, Melissa, what did you see on the Instagrams? Yeah, so the full body MRI mm-hmm. thing is trending. I think I think the Kardashians are maybe one of them, and other influencers mm-hmm. are starting to get these full body MRIs, mm-hmm. um, and they detect you know up to like 400 different conditions or, you know, I don't know what all the, you know, claims are, but basically it's a full body MRI that can detect, you know, anything from like an early cancer to an Mm -hmm. aneurysm to just anything, you know, anything you want to look for. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I have plenty of patients even ask me like, don't you see this? I mean, isn't such a good thing. You can just once a year, you know, get lit up with these special scans and just find things early. Um, and even I've had very, very highly educated people saying, well, isn't always more information better? And that got me thinking. Because mm-hmm. most of the time, sometimes yes, but sometimes no. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually want to start with this case. Um, and so, you know, the point of today's podcast is to really decide whether, when is testing okay and when is too much testing bad? And then we'll start with maybe five things that are really common in healthcare. People ask for it all the time and maybe the data for them uh, and maybe why we don't do them as much as any uh, we do anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, we'll start with the case. So I had a patient. She was a woman, a middle-aged woman, and she, through a blood test, found out that her liver numbers were a little abnormal, right? And so you're like, okay, well, that's kind of funny. And so she asked about it. It wasn't crazy high, but because she was curious, we decided to use an ultrasound to find out what it is. And, of course, the ultrasound showed fatty liver disease. And, of course, fatty liver disease, probably the most common liver disease we see right now. We can we could probably, if we were guessing at Vegas, we'd probably guess right, you know, mm-hmm. because, I mean, she was obese, and so that was a risk factor. Well, then, fast forward, like, a week. She's like, I'm not satisfied with that answer. I want a better test. So she wanted a CT scan. So... After we're like, we talked about it. I was like, I don't know. That's a lot of radiation. That's like a hundred x-rays. Um, and we kind of already know what it is. Ultrasound's pretty good, but she remember reading on the, you know, social media that CT scans are better. So she got a CT scan, uh, from the GI doctor. And the CT scan, of course, confirmed fatty liver disease. Okay. But she still wasn't convinced. And she's like, there's got to be something else wrong with my liver. I read on the internet that, uh, you know, liver disease will kill you. Now I feel like I'm turning yellow. And so she went down to a different state and got a biopsy. And all the way home from the biopsy, she almost died. 
because she the biopsy had actually popped an artery in the liver and she was actively bleeding to death and so this led to uh, like a week-long icu stay and to this day her liver numbers are still abnormal because of fatty liver disease mm -hmm. um, and so the moral of the story is she didn't have a problem we found a problem and now we made a bigger problem trying to fix a problem that she, she didn't have. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, Melissa, this is actually kind of common in healthcare. Yeah. Um, yeah, people are wanting all the tests right now. Mm -hmm. And some tests, you know, are warranted. But some just kind of lead down that rabbit hole where one test leads to another test to another test. And really, we the outcome doesn't change the plan or the course of action or the person's livelihood and can, in some cases, you know, create more harm than good, mm -hmm. you know, when you start, especially when you start doing really invasive procedures. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we see a lot. Yeah. And I think this, you know, this mindset really started changing maybe around the late 2000 teens, you know, before. And even when I was in med school, I was like, yeah, light them up. We want to find everything. We want to find everything early. And, you know, maybe that's more prevention because prevention is good. But sometimes these tests find things that don't need to be fixed, you know, mm -hmm. or maybe they find something and then we'd start chasing it. Um, and next thing you know, we're in a pickle. And so in healthcare, they call this overtesting. Um, and so essentially the definition of overtesting is testing without any effect on the outcome at all. Um, and so uh, the United States, I guess, healthcare, Medicare group estimates that about 150 to $200 billion a year is wasted on overtesting, which is an insane amount of mm -hmm. money. So you think about that's essentially throwing $200 billion right into the river because nothing got better. And that didn't even count harm that mm -hmm. came from these procedures. Yeah. 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 And a lot of extra time and worry mm -hmm. and, you know, regardless of resources that have been used. But, yeah, the patient time and, you know, just emotional strain mm -hmm. and things like that that um, that ends up really not having any different outcome. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think most of our patients that listen to this and I guess as women, so my wife is getting to the age where the mammogram is going to be a thing soon. Uh, so many times, Melissa, we'll hear a woman say, hey, we did a mammogram, routine screening. Uh, they think they saw something. I got to go back in six months. So now the patient's like freaking out. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they'll call us like, can you get it done earlier? Can you get it earlier? We're like, uh, no, you know, because why? You know, so anyway, but somehow they get it done earlier and then they go biopsy it. And, you know, now they're freaking out. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, it was nothing. Mm -hmm. Just come back in six months again. And, and so the patient on one aspect of it, they're like, thank God it was nothing. But the other aspect is like, dang, you wasted six months of your life yeah. freaking out yeah, about something that was nothing. Yeah, I've got an example, personal yeah. example for that. Um, I got my first mammogram at 35 because, you know, that's just kind of when they started screening um, with my doctor. Um, and some calcifications were noted. Mm -hmm. And the way that the radiologist reported it, mm -hmm. they appeared to be vascular in nature, mm -hmm. which was like in that report, they said this could be a sign of like early atherosclerosis. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I talked to my doctor and they were like, I don't think we should just brush it aside because we don't typically like, have you ever seen that in a mammogram no, report? Not yeah. At all. yeah. So she was like, I don't think we should 
you know, brush it aside. You probably should go ahead and get a calcium score and things like that. So I went in like, and you know, calcium scores, you have to have like, and, and this is a few years ago, the out of pocket expense would Mm -hmm. have been more just to get the calcium score than just to go get like the premium heart screening. Correct. So I went ahead and did the premium heart screening and they find moderate blockage in my carotid arteries. And this is as a 35 year old, you know, and I'm like, okay. So then I go to a a cardiologist Mm -hmm. and they're like, well, the report actually, the, you know, the diameter and everything is actually normal. It shouldn't have been read as like moderate to severe stenosis. But all that being said, that entire process was, you know, months long, Mm -hmm, just kind mm -hmm. of test to test to test to test. Yes. Not to mention like having to go back for the initial, like, you know, repeat mammogram and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like time consuming. It's worrisome. Uh Um, so yeah. Yeah. And thank goodness you had a cardiologist. I was like, well, this is fine because next thing you know, you could have jumped to the vascular doctor and said, do surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Pop my carotids open. And Uh next thing you know, you're like, Oh, I did all this and nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, no, and I think this is something that, you know, as young physicians, when I train medical students and nurse practitioners, you know, that quote, uh, don't just sit there, do something. There's an opposite quote that says, don't just do something, sit there. Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes the right answer is actually just don't stop messing with it. Mm-hmm. You know, we tell our kids all the time, like, don't make things work. Don't pick at your scab because you might make things worse. Well, in healthcare, oftentimes, and I guess even with the invention of the internet and social media and everybody's like, but there's this one young 35-year-old person that had breast cancer and died. You know, so everybody's going to get screening. For every one that I think you catch like that, there's like 20 that have severe issues chasing something that wasn't anything mm-hmm. and of course those don't ever make the news they'll make social media no one yeah. comes out and said i really wish i shouldn't have done that you know because like i said the mind is like well thank god i don't have anything but the other side is man i really wasted a lot of time and money and uh chasing something that wasn't anything and as much as we think that as long doesn't matter the cost as long as as long as we save one life it doesn't matter the cost that cost in real like in our real life I mean, unless we're billionaires, Melissa, money actually matters. Yeah, yeah, it does. And it, yeah, it's personal resources that, um, that, yeah, can be used elsewhere. And, and, you know, if it doesn't change the outcome or mm-hmm. the quality of life or anything like that, um, yeah, wouldn't you want to use that for something else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I guess, you know, now segueing, the big question is why do we do screenings? Mm-hmm. You know, so what's the point of screening? Whether it's cancer screening, it's heart screening, whether it's full body MRIs, like why do we do those things? Uh, and I've actually thought about this a lot and I kind of want to put it into three categories. The first one being, okay, yes, we want to detect disease. All right, so if you do a mammogram, you're, you're, the goal of it is to actually find breast cancer, right? Mm-hmm. And so, or you do the heart screening. What you're trying to find is heart disease. Um, but that is, shouldn't be the end goal. Like the end goal isn't like, hey, this test detects more heart disease or cancer or whatever. The second question is, uh, you have to be able to do something about it, right? So if you find something that's stage four full blown and you can't do anything about it, it's almost like, Did you want to find that or did you want to just leave it alone? Um, So the second thing is, isn't just like, hey, we found more cancer, so we cut more people. Like that's 
or did like we did more chemo or did more radiation because that's actually also not the goal of a test. Uh, the big goal of the test is, you know, yes, we found something, we fixed it, and this person now is living a longer and better life. Mm-hmm. And if it's not one of those things, like hey, we did more, diagnosed more things, or we cut more things, but no one lived any longer and no one lived any better, then that kind of should give you pause as far as why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so I think in healthcare there is this whole campaign now called choosing wisely. So they mm-hmm. push it a lot to us primary care doctors to kind of talk about like, hey, these are tests. Uh, that not only have no benefit, but sometimes actually harm. So you, before you order these things, you really need to think about it uh, and talk it through your physician. And this is what we call shared decision making. So we'll, you know, we'll talk to you. You'll tell us what's important to you. We'll look at your symptoms. Uh, we'll look at um, uh, maybe the risk benefit, the cost, and then we decide if this is together, if it's something that we want to do or something that we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do right. you want to hit like a few of their the main the choose yeah. wisely topics? Yeah, yeah. and we, we did a poll on our Facebook. Yeah, uh, and people are really smart. They did really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with the first one, Melissa. Somebody comes in, forty uh, five year old guy, no symptoms, but they just want an EKG, just for the funsies of it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's really no indication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, and that has actually been studied pretty well. Like mm-hmm. in that case. The people who get EKGs randomly versus people who don't get EKGs randomly, you don't find more any more disease. And if anything, the EKG might look a little funny. How many times are we like, uh, it looks kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it always tells us it looks funny. Yeah. It's like, could be. Yes. Darn robot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so then you're like, well, and so you go in there and you tell patients like, it could be just you, right? Because mm-hmm. right? we're all human. So our EKGs don't always match, but it could be something else. And then of course, everybody's like, well, I want to go to the, the cardiologist. Mm-hmm. And the cardiologist will like, uh, well, we should probably do an echo or a stress test just to be sure. Mm-hmm. And so they do the echo and stress test to be sure. And again, what we look at is outcome. Did the people who get the EKGs live longer or live better than people who didn't for asymptomatic, otherwise low-risk people? And the answer is no difference. Yeah. So essentially, it's just cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and an extra trip to the cardiologist yeah. and the cardiac lab to run all those tests. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah, so for us, we put that at D. So don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> we have a scale. <laughs> we do. Okay. That's like D is no. Okay. Um, the second one we want to talk about is annual pap smears for otherwise healthy women. So, okay, Melissa, I'll, we, I, will, I will concede this. Women have – you guys are not afraid of being – Hooked in front of like men, like men. I mean, yeah. Like if men had to have a pap smear every year, or you know, an, like the equivalent. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. An invasive test like yeah, that. Yeah, they mm-hmm. would be like once a decade or something. You <laughs> New know. recommendations show. That's right. Yeah, you never would get people in there. Yeah. So Melissa, this is something that we used to do regularly. Mm-hmm. I mean, women go in, get it done all the time, but now they have recommended spacing it out, and I have a lot of women that are very concerned about that. Mm-hmm. Some of it's out of habit. So it was just like, well, what if we miss something? Mm-hmm. So why don't we do it anymore? Um, yeah. So new recommendations are every three years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of women are like, well, I'm going to my doctor every year. And yes, you should go go to your doctor mm-hmm. every year. And they probably will continue to do potentially a pelvic exam. Mm-hmm. Um but the difference is the swab that they're taking. Mm-hmm. So um, 
a pap smear. And some people don't realize they just know that they're getting a pelvic exam and they call that like a pap smear. So the pap test is actually a swab of the cervical cells to check for any atypical cells Mm -hmm. that could, you know, indicate, you know, an abnormality or to detect those changes early before progressing to um, cervical cancer. But what we're finding is like in these cases of atypical cells, a lot of times it is more of a watch and wait thing. Mm -hmm. But um, women were going through a lot of, you know, pretty invasive procedures. You know, if anybody's ever had any of these procedures where they actually like burn part of your cervix and things like that, you know, it, it can be a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of worrisome, you know, invasion mm-hmm. or um, invasive procedures. Um, and it was not changing the outcomes. And go. that's, and that's the bottom line is, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't, uh, you know, changing quality or length of life. Yeah, you're exactly right, Melissa. Yeah. So I would say right nowadays, you know, our pap test looks for HPV virus. So obviously, if you don't have HPV virus, very, very hard to have cervical cancer. And like you said, a lot of times we start realizing, especially in young girls, they will resolve actually on their own. And if you go cone or biopsy them, and we call it leap procedure, you can increase their risk of infertility and miscarriage later in life. And no one dies more from cervical cancer than doing it every year versus every three. No one had a better quality of life. And the ones who did it every year had more procedures done to them. So maybe even worse quality of life. So I think when people see that recommendations are spreading things apart, it's not like money and money issue. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they just want, they don't want, you know, anyway, I don't know what they think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the big thing is doing it every year versus every three years in otherwise, lo- otherwise low risk healthy women, some even every five. Mm-hmm. does not show to make anyone live any longer or any better. And so if we're not going to live any longer, let her live any better, we just and possibly have more harm, then we should just not do it. Yeah. 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 All right. This is another one, Melissa, because I have men coming in all the time. PSA and mm-hmm. prostate cancer screening. Yeah. So first of all, I have to say, when we saw that the digital rectal exam did not find... <laughs> <laughs> I had a man cry in my clinic. So oh, I prayed no. for this. He said he prayed for this and God answered his prayer. Okay. <laughs> We're so dramatic. <laughs> um, yeah, but of course the PSA exam, uh, and it's a hormone that's secreted by the prostate. Initially, when the first person who discovered it, it was actually for sex offenders, which is mm. kind of fascinating. They could, but that's a side note. Mm. Um, getting it yearly, does it, does it save lives? That's a big mm-hmm. question. And unfortunately, based on the test, no. Yeah. Yeah. So what we mean by that is they've actually done really, really good trials looking at this. So people who get PSA screening by blood tests, people who don't and wait unless until they have symptoms. And what they started finding out is men who get them every single year that are otherwise low risk, so no family history, um, they have higher risk. Oh, so first of all, yes, we'll detect more prostate cancer because we're looking, right? We'll detect more. Uh, B, we'll cut more people. Uh, C, people might get infections, erectile dysfunction, urinary leakage from said procedure. But the big question, like we said before, did anyone live any longer? The answer was no. Mm-hmm. Uh, which be- because, and mainly it's because most prostate cancers are very, very slow. And so what that means is if you get diagnosed by prostate cancer at like 75, the chance of prostate cancer actually killing you versus you dying from a heart attack or something else 
It's, it's low. Mm-hmm. You're most likely to die with the prostate cancer than from the prostate cancer. And so therefore, this test, kind of like the other ones we talked about, has started to become more harmful than beneficial because if no one's living any longer and no one's living any better, um, but they're having more procedures, more cutting, more side effects, then this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, again, it just puts people through a lot more that that don't really change the outcome. Yeah. Um, and so now it it is just kind of one of those things that shared decision making, but it's not recommended as um, a yearly screening. Even, um, you know, even when the rectal exams went away, we uh-huh. still did like a yearly PSA for a while there, starting at forty, mm-hmm. and that's not even recommended anymore. Yeah, so. yeah, and you know, I think Melissa, we've been talking a lot about this. I mean, it is shared decision making, especially mm-hmm. in our clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we look at the data, we read the papers, but at the end of the day, there's a person sitting in front of you, and we will talk through like, hey, this is the risk of finding things. This is the benefit of yada, yada, yada. And then we can decide together. It's not a hard no or a hard yes, but we want to people to understand essentially what they're getting themselves into. And we don't want to become like my patient who almost died from a liver biopsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, moving on, Melissa. Knee surgery for meniscus injury, right? Mm-hmm. So there is meniscus injury in, let's say, a football players running. You see them run, they collapse. They twist their knee, they pop, they fall on the ground. That is traumatic meniscus injury. But what we're talking about is, let's say you're 65 years old. Um, you've been having knee pain, some swelling. You come to the doctor. Uh, it, they, of course, they're like, hey, you got arthritis. You've got time. Okay, that makes sense. But they do the MRI of the knee, and they say, hey, you've got some meniscus tears. All right? And so you're like, uh-oh, what do I do with that? I guess I go to orthopedic surgery. Or they're like, ah, you should probably get surgery. And so you go through the scope. You get surgery done, and you feel better because they clean things out. Is that better than just, say, doing physical therapy? It turns out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, it turns out that um, physical therapy, conservative Mm -hmm. management is actually, you know, has similar outcomes. So, yeah, yeah. They've looked at it, you know, at the six week mark, the three month mark, the six month mark in multiple studies and found out that actually the outcome at six months, both people feel about the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, Physical therapy, actually a little better. And again, we remember here people always, always like, I want to get to the root cause. Mm-hmm. Okay. The root cause for most meniscal injury, of course, time and age, but obesity, mm-hmm. right? So the when you stand up, your body weight is in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. So the inside of the knees are the first ones to fail. And usually that's what causes that rubbing, the arthritis, all that issue. Um, you can fix it. You can clean things out. But if you do not strengthen the legs and strengthen the knees and work on the weight, it's just going to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And so where as physical therapy, they try to work on alignment. They try to work on strengthening. They try to work on range of motion, work on weight loss. Those will do more in the long term than, say, just, I don't know, plug in the oil. I, you're just cleaning it out. And <laughs> <laughs> it reminds yeah. me of us. And then our, it, get rest, it gets rusty again. Yeah. yeah over yeah. the years. So. Girl. It just reminds me like my kids, you know, like, clean the house. <laughs> and they're like, why? I'm going to mess it up later. And yeah. Yeah. It's a never ending battle. Every night, Melissa would just throw in pillows from the Those couch. Pillows. <laughs> I'm going to throw them all away. Yeah. yeah. No benefit for yeah. the pillow. That's the other one. No benefit <laughs> from throw pillows on your couch. Yeah. Okay. All right. Last one, Melissa. And this one's a little bit more current event one. And I thought about putting this out there. I didn't want to get canceled by Pfizer, but. 
We'll just <laughs> say the data, right? <laughs> All right, Paxlovid. Mm. All right, so this is a paper that just got published. It's called Epic SR.、Uh, so、um, what we know is Paxlovid in the patient who is 65 and above with high risk for severe COVID, so heart disease, kidney disease, uncontrolled type 2 diabetes, cancer, immunoblocking medication, never been vaccinated for sure. Paxlovid can keep you out of the hospital about 88. percent But we are in 2023, right? Who hasn't been vaccinated or who hasn't caught it?、Mm-hmm. Multiple have both. So they went back and said, "Hey, can we answer this question? Because the population is different." And that's why in studies it's important to kind of update studies because the population changes everywhere with small. So the Epic SR,、uh, and what they did with this one is this is Epic、uh, people with COVID standard risk. Some were vaccinated. Some were just under sixty-five with no, with maybe one comorbidity, and they looked at Paxlovid and they looked at things like keeping you out of the hospital, keeping you from dying, and drum roll, they didn't do anything. No difference. No difference. Yeah,、um, yeah. And you read the study, so you're gonna, <laughs> to, you're gonna have to catch me up to say because、yeah. this was just recently released. Correct.、Right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, and this is another one where you know how we say multiple people who are listening to our podcast. We always say things that work in the lab don't always work in real life,、mm-hmm. right? So, in the paper, what they did, they did a couple of things. They drew people's viral load, and they say, "Hey, does it lower?" And on the viral load count, it actually is a little lower. Like, hey, people. Paxlovid had lower、um, uh, viral loads, but then they asked them all sorts of things. Did your symptoms improve? Which is what we care about. Yeah, I don't、mm-hmm. really care about your viral load. I want to know: Did you are you feverish, coughing?、Uh, most of them did not have any difference in how fast their symptoms resolved. Than just like day cool night cool.、Mm-hmm. Uh, then they ask, okay, well, did you go to the hospital lift? That one's a little easier to look at. And no, there was really no statistical significant difference between going to the hospital with Paxlovid and not. And of course, they look at death,、mm-hmm. uh, and there was no difference、mm-hmm. again. And so I think this is another one that shows us that hey, in this case, if Paxlovid was four dollars. Okay, whatever you want to take it, it's fine. Paxlovid is seven hundred dollars, you know. So for seven hundred dollars for a drug in a standard risk patient, so like me and you would be considered standard risk.、Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually improve anything meaningful, like staying in the hospital, not dying.、Uh, it can make your viral load look better, but in this is what we talk about clinical outcome. It has no difference, and so it's another debunk. Unfortunately. Not helpful for most of the population nowadays. Yeah, and and yeah, your everybody's case is different, but I mean, you're right. For the most part, everybody or most people have either had it or been、uh-huh. vaccinated. And if you're at like, you know, standard risk,、um, talk to your doctor. But you know, it may not may not do you any good. Yeah, yeah.、Um, and most people, I don't think. You know, we hear this all the time, like with cholesterol medicine. Like <laughs> they don't want to take anything unless absolutely ne-、mm-hmm. necessary.、Um, and I know there's commercials all over the place、mm-hmm. for, for for Paxlovid, but、um, so people come asking about it,、yeah. and that's fine. Have the conversation, but. It it may not change your outcome. Yeah, yeah, and I would even say like this is probably a good note for us, like Melissa, in, in the case that when we don't have data, it's okay to not say anything.、Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the things that are coming on ads and social media and stuff like that about whatever about EKGs or whatever, if we don't really know, it's actually okay to just be like, I don't know.、Mm-hmm. You know, and you can make educated guesses, and that's where maybe that. 
personalized medicine comes in, we can、mm-hmm. talk about it and make guesses. But a lot of times, especially in the ones that we mentioned today, we not it's not that we don't know. We actually know it doesn't do anything.、Mm-hmm. So we're gonna let you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Melissa is so funny. We didn't even bring up any of the non medical things like、yeah. cold plunging、mm-hmm. and apple cider vinegar. Yeah, we may have to do a whole another episode、mm-hmm. for like natural.、Um, Interventions,、yeah. and if there's anything that actually is beneficial or not, correct? Yeah, we will do that. Everybody loves all natural. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Melissa. Oh my gosh, the amount of people that come in with like 14 vitamins,、mm-hmm. but their cholesterol is still bad. Yeah, and they won't take a cholesterol medicine. Yeah, but they also won't change their diet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very frustrating. Yeah. Okay.、Uh, well, to wrap it up, Melissa, just to kind of wrap, you know, do the the summary.、Um, Doing things to people is very different than doing things for people.、Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple tests will always come out. Like if it's not the Grail blood test for cancer, or if it's not the full body MRI. Like I would say, every couple of months, some influencer or some famous person will put up another blood test. And the game, you know, the 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 hook is like it'll find all sorts of things.、Mm-hmm. The question you need to ask is. Is this going to help me live a longer or better life? And if it's not, then it might be worth not doing.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think we all end up in rabbit holes, and social media is designed for that. You、mm-hmm. know, you may see a reel about some test, and then if you pause on it long enough,、mm-hmm. your whole algorithm yes turns into that, and you're like, I need this test,、yeah. and. Because everybody's doing it, and it's like actually, it's just the algorithm that's now showing you all the people that are doing it.、So、it's、true. not truly everybody,、mm-hmm. um, but it feels like you're missing out on something, and、mm-hmm. so you go running to the doctor and asking for all these tests, and、um, you know, it may not be in your true benefit,、mm-hmm. and so that's. You know, have a conversation. That is so true, Melissa. I never thought about how, like, if you stay on an ad, and that's why so many patients come in. So, like, everybody wants their testosterone checked because they feel like everybody's、mm-hmm. getting it done. And we'll be honest, very few people actually getting it done because、mm-hmm. most people just are normal. Are normal. Yeah, and yeah. that's okay. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to find a problem, and that's kind of the same with thyroid、mm-hmm. too. A lot of people will think it's got to be a thyroid problem, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so they'll come with this list of all these different tests that actually aren't indicated, correct? But just to try to find a problem, right? So that they might be able to like. You know, treat it. Yeah, but it's not a problem to、Correct. begin with. <laughs> so, yeah,、mm-hmm. absolutely. And next, you know, you'll be the person on eighteen medications. Yeah, for problems that you don't have,、uh-huh. and now you're having side effects to said medications、yeah. or supplements. Yeah, and then you've got to get more workup because now the thyroid medicine is giving you palpitations. <laughs> And you know, it's,、yeah. it's just a circle. Yeah,、so. yeah. So it's just the in the quote. It's okay to don't do something. Just sit there. Yeah, more information isn't always better. Correct, and that's okay. You know, we don't. It's good to be aware of your numbers、um, when necessary, but it's it's not necessary to go chasing everything. Yeah. Perfect.、Okay. Well, Melissa, next week we'll actually record on Friday、mm-hmm. um, because we have a special guest,、yeah. um, our residential childhood obesity specialist.、Mm-hmm. So we'll get some tips from her, especially for us parents with picky eating children. Yeah, like how、I、in the world?、Wait. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Help us. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, thanks for your time, Melissa. All right, thanks. <laughs>